Welcome to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and beware there will be spoilers. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet me at Teal, T-E-A-L Productions. I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo and the Usagi Ojimbo fan pages on Facebook. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit is the website, and UsagiPodcast at gmail.com, the email address. The book I'm looking at today is Usagi Yojimbo Volume 4, issue number 10 from IDW, cover dated July 2020, and the title of the story is Mon. And to start off, I want to wish everyone a good morning, as that is when I am recording. Uh, I'm outside on my back porch. Nobody is doing yard work yet. Traffic is pretty low, and there doesn't seem to be much of a breeze, so hopefully um, my recording will be halfway decent. You probably will be able to hear the birds, and that's cool because I can hear them, I enjoy them, and that's why I'm out here. So on the cover of issue 10, we see Usagi fighting a fully armored samurai. Usagi is at the edge of a uh, hillside, not quite a cliff face, but the the edge of of whatever the current geography is here they're, they're at, probably in the mountains it looks like, and he's slipping as he's trying to defend himself against this armored samurai. Now... Um, I did see a bit of talk um, on the interwebs that there was disappointment by some, which there always will be, just to be brutally honest, that the cover didn't have anything to do with the story, which mm, it, it pretty much didn't. However, uh, personally, I'm such a fan of uh, Mr. Sakai's art that I don't care. Uh, you know, this is uh, nice, entertaining, uh, dare I say, pretty. Uh, to look at, so I don't I don't mind at all that basically it's a pinup, you know, that was used as the cover for this issue, uh, with everything else that's been going on and whatnot. Who knows why that was the case for this issue? If it will continue to be, it doesn't matter. Uh, all of those I think that appreciate Mr. Sakai's art for what they see will enjoy the cover, and when they get to the interior of the book, will enjoy the story. Um, they don't have to be connected. Um, a lot of us, me included, like if they are. You know, it gives us a preview of what's going on. But uh, in this day and age, it, it doesn't have to be the case. And, and a lot of times it isn't, as this was the case. Uh, title of the story is Mon. I don't know if I said that. I might have. Eh, either way. We open with Usagi walking down a village. Um, now, to be, to be brutally honest, I am much more a fan of the black and white Usagis. Uh, not that I dislike the color uh, for the current volume or the colorization of the old black and whites, as in the color classics. But for me, Usagi is black and white. Um, it's that's that's what I you know grew up. That's what I first got into Usagi doing, and and that's predominantly what it's always been. So that's what I'm used to. I will say though that this picture of this village as Usagi is walking down the street with two, four, five villagers is just very well done all around. The colors, the palette, shadings, of course, Mr. Sakai's line art, uh, his inking. I assume he probably does his own inking. This is just an awesome, um, an awesome view of a village during this period of Japan, as we have often seen in Usagi. Just now we have the uh, privilege, I guess I'll say, of seeing it in color, perhaps the way that Stan envisions it in his head as he's drawing it. You know, I don't know if he sees in black and white or if he sees in color. Maybe all these years, everything he's ever done, he's always seen in color, but just has never 
gone that final step to colorize Usagi. I don't know. Somebody would have to ask him. I've, I've never seen him never seen him speak about it. And as he's walking through the village, he notices that a lot of people are paying an inordinate amount of attention to him. And he's starting to feel it and starting to notice it. It gets to the point that as he's walking down one side street here, he's made a turn and he comes up to a, a child, a little boy it looks like. And the boy says, hi. And Usagi responds, hello, what's your name? Well, the mother rushes up grabs the child quickly, says, don't talk to him. Come on home. And Usagi's just left standing there befuddled. Now he really wonders, you know, wow, what is it about me that has got these people this, you know, this kind of riled? Season in, hasn't eaten in a while, so he decides, well, I'll go into inn. Um, many, many good things for those of you who are not familiar with uh, fantastical fiction happens in inns. Uh, you eat, right? Of course, you drink, you find a place to rest, uh, just respite in general, but you also can get information, you find companions, you find quests, you find, you know, everything that fuels the story making of fantasy literature almost always occurs in an inn at some point. So, inns are very, very important in fantasy literature. And we see here, Usagi goes in. And, you know, flags down the innkeeper, sits down, and as soon as the innkeeper gets close enough, he gasps and says, are you crazy? Look, I don't want any trouble. And Usagi's just taken aback. What do you mean? You wear the Mifunimon. There are still bad feelings about the war, the innkeeper tells him. So now they go back and forth about, you know, what's been going on. And uh, we see that there is a group of other samurai with, of course, a very different mon. Um, one can assume what this mon is, and I'll, I'll throw out my idea here in a moment, but they're being very boisterous, very demanding. Um, again, that's, you know, something that we see a lot in fantastical literature is there is a, there, there are good customers in an inn and there are bad customers. And these guys are shaping up to be rather bad. The innkeeper, though, he is, he is very concerned. He now wants to do everything he can to keep those four samurai and Usagi apart because he knows that they are not going to mix well, which lends me to believe, and, and I didn't research this, but the mon that the um, samurai, the other samurai, are wearing is a completely filled-in circle. It looks dark um, in the coloring that we have here, a black circle. And uh, let me to take a step back. A mon is the crest that is worn as a means of familial or um, who you associate with identification. It's it's the small circle patch. And on Usagi's, we see it's a small circle with three dots that bear a striking resemblance to a rabbit's foot in, in mud or snow, if you've ever seen one. And uh, that'll come up again here at the end of the book. So that's Usagi's. Uh, the other mon, as I said, is this completely filled in circle. Now, we know that Usagi was a vassal of Lord Mafuni before the Battle of Adashigahara. So that is Mafuni's mon, that circle with the three dots. Lord Hikiji was the winning lord in the battle. Um, he was the quote-unquote bad guy. Mafuni was the good guy. So the bad guys won. They won uh, the province, control of the province, and, and other provinces as well. So, uh, without, again, as I said, without doing the proper research, my assumption is that that filled-in circle is probably Lord Hikiji's mon. And so the innkeeper wants to keep Mafuni's men, Usagi, and Hikiji's men, 
the four samurai apart. Uh, he's a poor innkeeper. He can barely keep things going. He does not have the money or the time or the effort to make massive repairs in his inn if a five-man uh, fight were to break out. So he's, you know, he's very concerned about who sees who and, and keeping everybody apart and everything like that. So basically that is more or less what he's telling Usagi. Then at one point in the conversation, the innkeeper recognizes Usagi as Usagi. He, he already recognized the Mon, but now he recognizes the man. He recognizes the man and the Mon. Um, and tells Usagi that he knows Usagi because he, the innkeeper, was a low-level Ashigaru under Lord Mafuni. Ashigaru is the infantry um, that would go out... <laughs> would go out and die first uh, basically is what what they're for uh they're you know they're cannon fodder chattel whatever you want to call them important nonetheless don't don't get me wrong but they are much the uh the meat in the battle as far as directing who goes where so they they're very low on the totem pole of concern he says he survived um sold his sword and all of his military accoutrement uh, it's impossible, he says, to really make a living during the Shogun's peace, which we've heard referred to in Usagi's world before. And so I bought this in, and I've been, you know, trying to make a go of it here. And again, we have these other samurai yelling for the innkeeper. Usagi finally, you know, recognizes what the innkeeper's doing, thanks him for what, what time he did spare, and is going to leave the in, in peace, as the innkeeper has requested. As he's on his way out, finally, the four samurai, of course, notice the Mon. You know they were going to have to, right? The whole setup just tells you that, yeah, this particular thing is going to go down. And grief between these two sides was the thing. So they see Usagi, realize they outnumber him four to one, and decide that they're going to talk trash. And they do. Um, Usagi's at the door. The four samurai are basically at the other end of the great room in the inn. And so they're talking trash as they're moving from their end of the building all the way to Usagi, who is all the way at this end. So, you know, they're, they're talking trash as they're moving down to him. The innkeeper constantly asking everyone, please don't fight in here. Usagi, if you would please leave. Uh, gentlemen, if you'll sit, uh, I'll do this, I'll do that. Finally, the, the key is the offering of free sake for the remainder of their time. That That's their, their price. So they say, okay, we'll go and sit down. Usagi leaves. And we, uh, we focus now on the four samurai, and they're, they're talking amongst themselves. And it seems all four, I believe, mention, um, yeah, one way or another, having lost um, someone important during the Battle of Ashigahari. Is that, am I saying that right? Adashigahara, excuse me, Adashigahara. Family members, friends, cousins, nephews, you know, etc. So they talk and talk and talk, and they talk themselves into a... Well, we need to go even the score, even though the man who they follow won the, the battle, won the war, in essence, that was going on. So they're on the winning side, but that's not enough for them. They must, they must extract their pound of flesh uh, personally. So they leave the inn um, out into the street. They see Usagi as he's walking away. They call him down. And as they approach him, we see four samurai, two of them swords drawn already, two of them in the process of drawing. One of the samurai is huge compared to the others. He's a big old boy. Um, as far as 
the animals that we have. I believe there's a cat, a dog, and a couple bears of some sort. The the big guy I think is a bear, and the there's there's one that I can't necessarily tell what what he is supposed to be. So he's probably either um, looking at his ear. He's probably a bear. So we've got a cat, a dog, and two bear samurai, um, all attacking our wandering rabbit samurai as they charge. Usagi pulls his complete sword out, uh, leaving his sword in Hisaya, the scabbard, and beats them down with a sheathed sword, in essence. And he tells them, I kept my sword in Hisaya. Now get out of here before I regret sparing your lives. And there, the one panel here, Usagi in the middle, the four men laying around him in various states of uh, pain, coughing, moaning, kneeling, laying, you know, all, all beaten. The next panel, you see that they have all managed to get up, but boy, they are dragging to get away from him. I mean, they very literally look like they're dragging, almost in a uh, a zombie kind of bodily repose, you know? So they, they were thoroughly beat down. They go back to the inn. They enjoy some of the free, now, sake that the innkeeper has offered. And a, a key piece of conversation here. As the four samurai are sitting back down, one says, if he was someone important, there would be a reward for his head. And a second one intones, yeah, a big reward. And the innkeeper says, reward? So, I knew right there, and probably most of you that read the book, uh, exactly what was going to happen. It was just a matter of how it was going to be framed, right? So Usagi is wandering around. Now, a cool little uh, piece here in in one panel as he's walking down the road, he passes one of these small uh, shrinish kind of statues that people would erect with a red bandana on it. Now I know, and my memory is terrible, but I know recently within the last half dozen, two dozen episodes that this was an issue in one of the one of the books uh, was these little statues. And I would have talked about the naming and all that kind of stuff. It all escapes me at this point, but I know we've covered that. It was cool to see it return. And it will pop up every now and then again, I know. So as Usagi's walking, he starts to realize, Ooh, uh, I know that village, and I've gone this way. That means that my village is just, you know, right over there. It's really close. But any kind of, you know, sighs. Oh, man, I haven't seen my village in so long. And Mariko. But then he catches himself because, what am I thinking? She has a new life with Kenichi. It's best to just continue on my way. I'll take the high pass to avoid the village completely. Now, he has returned to his village several times. Um, the first time he returned, I believe we talked about. Subsequent returns, we haven't gotten to that point in the story yet. But on that first return to his village, it was not a happy situation. Mariko still digs him. He still digs Mariko. Mariko is with Kenichi. Kenichi does not dig Usagi, and Usagi wants to dig Kenichi, but Kenichi's a real butt about it, and so he can't dig Kenichi. So it's, you know, this really weird, awkward, honor-bound-fueled kind of love triangle, and it just... So, of course, the best thing for Usagi to do is just not get into it to begin with. Continues walking probably to the next, next village, because the next is his, and he realizes he's hungry. Um, his stomach grumbles, and the way Stan wrote it, he wrote it Goro Goro, which immediately put me in mind of the uh, 
Lone Goat and Kid Cart as it rolls the sound. Didn't was that Goro or was that G A R A Gara Gara? I, either way, that's what this made me think of. I thought, oh, he's got a baby cart in his stomach. I kind of chuckled at my own my own humor there. Sorry if it wasn't funny. That's a dad joke, and you know that's all I got. Walking on down, he sees a boat with uh, fishing equipment tied up to the bank. And he thinks, I don't think the owner of the boat would mind if I used his fishing equipment to catch a meal. And so we see him sitting on a big rock fishing in the little river stream here. I thought he was going to take the boat and go out, but he just used the fishing rod and, and maybe a lure. Gets a bite, reminds him of his youth, says he used to be really good. Didn't we all used to be really good at a lot of things when we were younger? And then when we get older, we're just not good at it anymore. Yeah, that's, that's where Usagi is right now. But as he's pulling in the fish, he hears a disturbance in the uh, probably forest there behind him. And he turns and looks across the clearing towards the trees. And he sees two, four, six, eight, nine of what I will say Hikiji samurai. And some other dude here at the end and that is colored kind of like the innkeeper. Aha. So we get a close-up on them, and they're they're talking to Usagi. We know who you are, Ronan. We know you hid Lord Mafuni's head. And again, we, we visited that uh, early on in, in the podcast, in the stories, at the end of the Battle of Adashigahara, when Lord Mafuni was defeated to keep his memory and his body. My air exchanger just kicked on. If you hear that, I apologize. Um to keep from total humiliation of Lord Mafuni, Usagi took his head and ran off into the forest and hid it to save, no pun intended, well, maybe, to save face. And word got out that it was Usagi that had taken the head. And so this is still the story going around now, however many years later this is. And Usagi's like, how do you know who I And then he's, you know, looking down the line and he sees Innkeeper. I could not help it, Usagi-san. There's a reward for Mufuni vassals of vassals of high rank, and I need the money. And at that point, all the other samurai bum rush Usagi. This time, being as outnumbered as he is, and having given uh, half the group a chance already, Usagi does away with his scabbard and uses the full-on exposed sword. So he starts cutting through the guys, and we have several pages, several panels of fighting. Um, Usagi never really seems to lose lose his place or even to lose in the moment. So after a couple pages of fighting, he has laid low, uh, i.e. killed, with several death heads, death skulls, skull heads, whatever you want to call them in the little word boxes, word balloons. And he faces the innkeeper. And the innkeeper's just astounded. You killed them all. You are the last one left, innkeeper. Betrayer. And at this point, the innkeeper starts begging for his life, falls to his knees on the ground, begging, begging. Usagi tells him, finally, get out of here. I'd not soil my blade on you. And the innkeeper, thank you, thank you, thank you. And as Usagi turns to walk away, the innkeeper's picked up a rock and threw it at him, hit him in the back of the head, stunned him pretty good. And as he's standing, the innkeeper, he picks up a nearby sword and says, I'm sorry, but there's no other way out of my debts. And he rushes Usagi. Even in his adult state, Usagi is able to defend himself um, terminally, shall we say, and kill the person rushing at him sword drawn. But Usagi is is pretty, pretty damaged. He stands up, 
he stumbles around, stumbles into the boat, and looks like the mooring line on the boat snaps, and Usagi is cast adrift in this lake, uh, uh, river slash stream that he was initially fishing in. Uh, the last panel shows the boat going downstream with Usagi in it. Actually, with just his ears poking up. All right. So that was our story. And if I may, uh, for those of you that would like to hang around, those of you that not, I'm going to read a little bit here in the back of the book about Mon by Ruth Wold. Or Wold. She pronounces it German or not. She starts out with a quote. The family is one of nature's masterpieces. This quote from George... Setiana described the naturalistic beauty of the Kaiman and their relationship to the family unit. Kaiman are made up of the kanji characters ka, meaning one's family tree, and mon, meaning crest. Essentially, Kaiman or mon are unique family crests. The mon was first used by families of nobility during the close of the Heian period from 794 to 1185. They were designed to be attractive and were primarily inspired by local flora. Mon were affixed to belongings and kimono of individuals to distinguish between noble families. One, three, or five crests were placed on the kimono, on either side of the chest, on the back of both sleeves, or centered on the upper back. Now, we have seen in Usagi, uh, maybe not all the time, but we've seen it in all three places, and he just has a single crest. After the Kamakura period from 1185 to 1133, the Mon was also used by the samurai to make it easier to identify a friend or a foe in battle. Besides their clothing, they were placed on flags, weapons, and sword sheaths. It was not until the Edo period from 1603 to 1868, which is the period that we're in, the commoners also used the Mon. Only the nobility and samurai had surnames, so it's u- it was useful in identifying different families amongst the commoners. During the Meiji period from 1868 to 1912, commoners were finally allowed surnames, popularizing the use of the mon even further. Kimon are still used in present-day Japan, however, they've lost much of their importance, significance, and practical usage. They're now predominantly used for ceremonial purposes such as decorating wedding garments or gravestones as logos for long-established businesses and in the performing arts to identify an actor's family or lineage. That was my cell phone. I apologize again. There are well over 5,000 designs, over 241 categories. The Kimon are... Monochromatic and generally designed around a plant, religious symbol, geometric shape, kanji, or natural celestial or man-made object. There are no rules regulating the symbols that are used with the exception of two objects. Chrysanthemums are reserved for the imperial family. The ranking within the family is indicated by the amount of leaves on the design. The imperial chrysanthemum has 16 petals, whereas lesser imperial family members have fewer petals. The Paulownia, a flowering plant, is the design for the prime minister, the cabinet, and government. It's considered improper to use the exact mon of another family or clan, especially those of a higher status. Usagi's mon was inspired by a rabbit's footprint in the snow. Stain's family crest is a variation of the Maru ni Umabachi, a plum blossom within a circle. Now, uh, I have said before, I am terminally Caucasian. As I attempt to pronounce these words that are not in my bailiwick, I apologize if I get them wrong. Uh, please believe that I, I am trying my best to pronounce them as appropriately as I personally know how to. So there's that. Particularly, uh, Mr. Sakai, if I mispronounce this, 
please, definitely, please don't hold it against me. It was just a, an attempt. All right, so that finishes up the current issue number 10. Uh, looking at our list of words here, we were exposed to Mon, which is the clan crest, which I just read exhaustively about. Uh, sake, which we know is rice wine. Ashigaru, which translates to light of foot, uh, but it's the name given to the infantry used during samurai conflicts. And the Seiya, uh, the scabbard that the sword is carried around in. Next time out, looks like I have scheduled to talk about the Dark Horse Volume, Volume 3, um, issue number 43. So I will talk to you guys next time about that. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a teal production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.